the things that have made up who I am. Um, definitely my upbringing and the influence, I think specifically of my father. Um, he was incredibly enigmatic in a way. Um, he supported a party that I hate um, and was part of a party that I hate and was intimately involved in a party that I hate. Um, and as a subsequent, um, as a result, I think he ended up on the wrong side of history. Um, he passed away about seven years ago now, um, but I loved him deeply. And we had incredibly interesting conversations about politics, about life, um, about who we are as human beings, about the human condition in general. Um, and I think it was in those moments that I learned to question things. Um, despite him being part of a party that thrived off of censorship and um, kind of, you know, putting people into boxes um, and you're either with us or against us. Um, that was very much the rhetoric and that was a staple of how they ruled and still rule um, the country that I'm from. And I think within those sessions, I learned to, to ask more of leadership, to ask more of the society that we lived in, to understand people a little bit better. Why were people making the choices they made, particularly politically, um, to align themselves to a party that was synonymous with violence. Um, but realistically, that meant more to them than that violence, right? That meant independence, that meant um, freedom from you know, colonial oppression, that had so many other meet meanings that I hadn't experienced because I was younger. Um, and I think I, I learned what the complexity of the world uh, was and that everything is quite nuanced, that black and white doesn't exist when we're talking about anything to do with humans. Humans are incredibly complex. Um, and so I, I think that kind of spirit of questioning is what got me into journalism. Um, it's what got me into my line of work now, which we'll get into. Um, so I think that's a huge part of who I am is definitely my, my upbringing, my father's influence. Um, and I also think my insistence on being free. Um, I'm incredibly independent, um, definitely not to a fault, but I think I, I mean, I love freedom. <laughs> um, I love being yeah. able to choose how I live. I love being able to craft a life for myself that makes sense to me. Um, and that doesn't necessarily, I mean, I, I truly don't care what people think about how I live. <laughs> I think that's that's one of my strengths, potentially a weakness, <laughs> one of my strengths. Um, yeah, my mother would say it's a weakness, but <laughs> um, You don't live in an I, island, Mumbai. Exactly, exactly. Island. <laughs> exactly. We don't live in a vacuum. Um, <laughs> but um, I think for me, just my zest for life um, and a life that is free and a life full of choices um, is really what makes up who I am. Um, and that's really the fuel, I think, or rather the foundation of my joy, um, of me being able to weather any storm um, and being able to survive, I guess, as somebody in the diaspora. university I mean when you left your home country you went to go study how did you navigate that journey because I mean you you went you were quite young you know I mean I, I think all of us everyone who goes to university you start you know to 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 explore and you're a young adult at that time and you know it's a different journey for all of us but for you what was what what, what were you wanting to achieve from that experience aside from academic academics of course for yourself personally I get bored pretty easily, um, so I like I like variety, um, and I think being somewhere that was other than my home country, aside from the fact that my home country was falling apart, um, I think being away meant that I had a different 
um, group of friends. I had a different way of living my life. Um, I was in a new country that I was somewhat familiar with, but not really, um, or at least only the kind of big metropolitan areas. So obviously Rhodes, tiny town. Um, actually, a funny story, I when I got to Rhodes, the I don't know if they still do this, but there was like a wine and cheese, something like mixer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for first years. And I remember getting to the to the grounds and um, the little gardens that we were doing it in. That place just in above where the clock is. Um, yeah, just opposite the tower. The, yeah, yeah. The tower, the tower, oh. exactly. Um, yeah. And and I called my dad and I was like, is it too late for me to go to UCT? <laughs> <laughs> and UCT, I had gotten into UCT, but UCT being UCT, we're all there like late admin, whatever. So I only got the letter the week I was leaving to come to Rhodes. So I was like, oh man, is it too late? Like, can we get a, can we get a refund? Because <laughs> I was yeah, like, you've already paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this town is small. Um, I, but again, I think the, the interesting thing is that it then kind of grew on me over time. Um, and I enjoyed I think the kinds of people that I met um, who were incredibly different, um, different countries, different like ways of life um, that I really wasn't used to. Um, and I think that was really, really fun. So I was really looking for something different. Um, and I think having been, so I, I was born in Zim, but then moved to Cuba when I was like three weeks old. And then from there, I left Cuba and moved to the States um, at the age of three or four. Um, and then I left the States when I was about 11 um, and then got back to, to Zim. So, that's, so Zim was kind of a formative year because that was like from you know, 12, 11, 12, up until I left when I was like 18. Um, and so I had different, I had always experienced different environments. Um, so I wasn't going to stop them. Um, it just made sense to kind of keep going and keep traveling. Uh, but yeah, what I really wanted was difference. Um, you know, life is boring enough and mundane enough. It's nice to switch it up. <laughs> Which then really, it, it, it makes sense because it, it sort of like then brings me to, you know, after leaving Rhodes and, you know, when you were a churn student like you were, um, so also heavily involved in student media, uh, you know, you were one of the trailblazing media students. I mean, naturally people would think, oh, okay, she's going to end up in the newsroom. Oh, you thought the same thing too? You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. Um, no, I. Yeah. What, what happened at, at, the, at the end of the degree? Um, you when, know, it's interesting because I, um, I remember when I left, I contacted Haru um, Tasa, who is um, still at Al Jazeera, I believe. Um, and I was like, I just, I want to intern at Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera was like my North Star. Like, this is exactly where I'm going. I'm going to end up there no matter what. I applied to the internship program a total of five times. And I got rejected a total of, actually, I got rejected a total of two times. The other three, they just ghosted me. <laughs> they didn't even respond. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, I freelanced. So um, I worked, I went back home. I actually also did a stint at ENCA. Um, which I found really interesting. Um, I forget the name of that very famous male presenter, uh, anchor, what is his name? Yusuf, Yusuf. Um... The, black, the black guy. Um, anyway, it'll come back to me. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I met him um, and honestly, just really, really exciting conversations um over like a random lunch it wasn't even lunch it was just like coffee mm -hmm. um and I remember thinking wow this is really where I want to be like you know I was standing in the studio and I was like this is where I want to be um and I went back home I freelanced um I did pieces that were specifically on women um I was working with an organization that was um an NGO but they ran a um a publication that was specifically specifically for um, for black women, and so I did a lot of stories around women's experience um, from women who were in the arts industry to women who were vending on the streets to women who were um, facing different challenges in terms of being a politician within the Zim environment, etc. Um, and I found that really fulfilling. 
Um, but also incredibly, um, I mean, I was broke. <laughs> a bitch was broke. <laughs> um, and I was also, I think, I think in the context of Zim, I think I would always go and do a story and then leave and feel like, is this it? Like, can I not do something else um, for these people that I've just interviewed who are in a very vulnerable position? Um, it's something about that felt empty. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not, you know, a knock on the, you know, on journalists at all. I think it's a fundamentally like important aspect of society to be able to hold truth to power. That in itself um, is noble. Mm -hmm. And yet I just didn't feel as fulfilled as I thought I would be. Um, and so I remember, um, oh God, politics lecturer, what was his name, Richard? Pithouse. Pithouse, Pithouse, Pithouse. So I remember Pithouse um, had mentioned to me, um, there was this program at the University of Edinburgh and he was like, you know what, like the way you're talking, I think you might be interested. I'm friends with the head of that program email her, find out, you know, more about the program, see if there's any scholarships, et cetera. I had never even heard of the University of Edinburgh, right? So I was just like, okay, whatever. Turns out like it's been around since like the 1500s. <laughs> As most things have, are like in Europe, I'm just like, what? Okay. Um, and so I emailed her, found out more information and she immediately sent me a link to, they had a scholarship for Southern African students. And so I was like, cool, you know, I'll apply to it as I'm applying to everything else, um, you know, grants for like, you know, stories that I wanted to write, et cetera. I was like, whatever, one more application. Mm -hmm. So I put it in, I got the scholarship and I left. <laughs> I left, I went to study um, African, I think it was called Africa and International Development, um, which was a kind of mix of like um, politics, development, economics. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but it was also, I think, uh, a segue into the life that I have now. Um, it was definitely an eye-opening experience. Um, I think being Black in Edinburgh is a lot um, in general. It is more white than you think it's going to be. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's Scotland, right? I don't know what I was thinking. But the thing is, like, you watch, you see the, the, the brochure, right? With, like, the Black person and, like, the colored person and, like, the this and the that. And you're like, okay, diversity. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you get there, it's just like a sea of white. And you're just like, wow. Like you see here. Hey, listen, I was playing like spot the black person on the bus, right? Like I was like, can I just, is there anybody walking down the street? Like anything, bro, like riding a bike, like, oh man, it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> but that was definitely the moment where I started to see the world differently. Um, and I think it was my... Yeah, my segue into my next um area of work and i don't know if you want me to keep talking or if you want to if you have another question. i i i i know before we get we get to the work i think you know um i i am interested you know when when you are i mean as you put it like your your life actually um revolved around moving from different places i am curious to find like through like whether studying um relocating with family uh up until now you know where where you have um you are situated did, did you did you feel like how did you build like a sense of belonging and community because I think for a lot of you know um, Africans in the diaspora I mean you figure it out I guess obviously but I am interested for you like how do you you work out like a safe space for yourself and also for you to you know sort of like validate your presence but at the same time you know you're an African woman and mm. you know you're surrounded by so many different cultures that are so foreign mm. to you um what was that experience like especially as a young adult into you know mid and late 20s i think the i think i've been fortunate um to be in spaces where i've connected with people who are like-minded or people who are just as lost as me um, and also trying to find something um figure out who they are figure out where they belong figure out what they want to do with their lives um but whose hearts are in the right place um so knowing that they wanted to make some kind of a difference in the world um 
in whatever sector you know they chose to be in but also that they were just kind and curious and um open to different ways of thinking and i think it's my i suppose an advantage that i have is that i'm you know relatively approachable um you know, extroverted, I'm, I easily kind of go around to people and, you know, ask them about their lives and if they want to be friends, <laughs> which I've, I've been mostly successful. <laughs> okay. But, but I think being able to put yourself out there um, and being open and being, and listening, um, that I think attracts the right kinds of people that then form your experience of that place. And that's what gives you that sense of belonging. Um, it, for me, it's people. It's um, it's people. It's it's also it's also my ability again going back to the freedom aspect. My ability to be free um, within that space helps me feel like I belong, because I think if you have a choice of how you live your life, especially as a Black African woman. Um, I think what it does is it gives you the confidence to walk a certain way, to speak a certain way, to refuse to be spoken to a certain way, because you know you have the choice to be there or to not be in that space. Um, and when you are, you're there to enjoy yourself or learn something or whatever it is you want to take from that. And so I think um, those two things, having people that I can connect with, that I can laugh with, that I can rant with, um, but also being open to the idea and really owning my own journey within that place um, and making the choices that feel right to me, um, that's what's allowed me to feel like I belong. I think it's, so I, I don't think belonging is like this like nebulous like concepts, you know, I think it's just, it's, it's what you make it. It's the work that you put in to belong, but it's also that kind of sense of comfort, right? Um, which is why I've, I've, I have the friends that I have because I, we connected in a way that allowed me to be myself. Um, and so they provided that like space of like rest and comfort and like, you know, walls coming down. And that is really kind of what um, has, has made me who I am um, and has allowed me to, to navigate different spaces. Mm -hmm. I mean, w w in, in that same breath, I do wonder like, you know, there must be like some kind of psychological shift that sort of like happens for you as well. Like when you're like, okay, I'm building a life in this different country that is far away from home. I mean, what have been the challenges, you know, in adapting to a different environment um, where you know that like home is far away. And so at the end of the day, I mean, you have a community that you've, you've, you've built and created, but do you not have that sense that, you know, I'm removed from my people. Um, is that an important thing? Does does it does it sort of also affect sort of like, you know how you perceive yourself um, in the world because you know you're not with your people and so the people around you you've had to sort of like create yourself. That's true. Um, I will say this. I think that, and I think it's different for different people, but I think home. I mean, not to be cliche, it truly is what you make it, right? I think um, not being physically present in Zim can feel uh, really sad at times. Um, I think there's definitely a connection that I feel to my country and to being around, you know, different, you know, extended family, etc. Um, I think in some ways, because my brothers don't live there um, as well. I think because we're all kind of diaspora babies, so to say, um, I don't feel the same level of attachment um, as somebody who was there from zero years until whenever. Um, however, I think because of the nature of how I've lived, um, I've managed to carry home with me. And I think it's also, you're right. It is a mindset. It, it's a mindset shift. Um, you have to, you have to arrive and choose to be there and be there in like all of your abundance. Um, and I think one thing that a lot of people will tell you, especially older people um, from Zim, you know, when you've come back home and you're talking to them and you're like, you know, I feel like I miss home. I want to be one leg here and one leg there. And a lot of them will tell you, 
if you choose to live somewhere, live there. Um, meet people, <laughs> build relationships, yeah. learn a new skill, um, try a new hobby, try a new sport, you know, um, learn a new language, um, open, a, you know, definitely open a savings account, <laughs> um, invest, buy a house if you can, whatever it is, a car, whatever it is. Um, this idea of kind of living in both places at the same time can be incredibly taxing um, because you'll never feel like you're fully settled. Um, and I think that's, I think in, in some ways that's the diaspora experience in general. Um, but I also think you need to make the concerted effort to say, I am from this place, but I am physically in this place now. So I'm going to make as much as I can. Um, you know, I'm going to do as much as I can. I'm going to have as many experiences like as I can within the space that I'm in now, um, while still acknowledging that the place that has formed me um, to the, you know, for the most part is somewhere else. And that's okay. Um, I think it's okay to miss it. I think it's okay to feel like you need a dose of that like specific kind of belonging. Um, and when you go on holiday, and you know, you meet your parents, you meet your family, you meet your friends, et cetera, that you left back home. It's it's like, I mean, particularly in Zim, it's like nothing changes. <laughs> it looks the same. <laughs> it looks the same. It's just like it feels so familiar. It it feels it feels great, um, <laughs> to be honest, um, in a way that I can't really describe. But I think the the key to succeeding abroad is to make to take a little piece of that and to replicate it wherever you are. And mm -hmm. if that means having the right people around you, if that means doing specific activities that remind you of home, if that means leaning more into something that's different into who you are now, um, if that makes you feel like you belong more, fucking do it, bro. Because, yeah. you know, life is short. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, while we are on, you know you know living abroad a lot of people i mean when when you you talk about like moving especially like from africa and you know do you go to some other continent it's it's always uh, connected to work opportunity career development um expanding obviously your horizons or, or, or whatever is the goal for you you know when when you finish um at edinburgh and you were like you know you were looking at career prospect what was your mindset um like at that time what what were you looking at you know achieving in your life um I guess in that in that period up until now my ambitions changed quite a bit actually now that I think about it um when I was leaving Edinburgh I so I applied for the job that I had when I first moved to Dubai which was with a small strategic communications firm. Um, and they worked primarily with development agencies. So the UN, uh, Bill, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, um, all of these different kind of NGOs that we worked with, USAID, DFID, et cetera. I don't know what DFID is called now, but it's something else. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I think it was, I think what pulled me into that really was the sense of doing something good in the world. Um, obviously, you know, that changed, that's a story for another day, but <laughs> that changed going on. <laughs> but um, I was incredibly interested in like being able to impact people's lives in a way that was meaningful. Um, I think back to the influence, one of the biggest influences of my life being my dad um, was I, you know, as he would say, he always wanted to be part of developing a country in a way that was sustainable for everyone, that made sure everyone had the same kind of opportunities, et cetera. He didn't succeed. This you know, party didn't either. Um, but I think what I wanted to do, and maybe a small part of me wanted to remedy that. Maybe it was, you know, well, my dad couldn't do it. Maybe, you know, I can also be um, a positive influence on the world. And the likes of these big foundations and the UN, et cetera made me feel like I was part of something that was huge, that was kind of life-changing for us as a, as a human race. Um, and these kind of very big, difficult questions, which I love, um, of you know, how do you provide the best kind of care to refugees in a political crisis um, in the midst of 
terror attacks and um, you know government crackdowns? Um, and how do you make sure that you are providing essential assistance, but also um, then allowing people to have the dignity that they you know deserve um, to live a life that they actually want to um, within the confines of a refugee camp? Um, and how do you get people to start changing their behaviors around specific you know, things that may not be specifically helpful? How do you get them to start seeking help from a hospital um, if they come from a culture where hospitals weren't really a thing for them? Um, and how do you get them to start changing their mindsets around being able to participate politically um, as a young person? Like, what do you do with questions like that in different contexts with different languages and different challenges? And I think it was that that really attracted me to, to that world. Um, so I think it was also, again, like me seeking, I suppose, a different kind of freedom, the freedom to, to think deeply about issues that I cared about. Um, while also being in places that challenged me as a human being. Um, so I started off in Dubai um, and I did about four months in the beginning. And then I moved to Jordan um, for about six months. And then I moved to Afghanistan for about three, four months. And then I decided to settle in Dubai. Um, but it was, I mean, firstly, exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. And, imp and impressive. Wow, okay. Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> well um, <laughs> exhausting because it was, you know, being in new places constantly, I think, you know, requires a certain um, adaptability. And, you know, I think, I think, I, which is something that I possess. Um, and, and so that part wasn't the most difficult part. I think it was more I was then challenged about belonging a lot. Um, so I think being in Jordan was was difficult in the sense that um, I was constantly part of like a small group of like expats who, you know, were either kind of passing through, um, but also a majority of them who had been there for years. Um, and it, I never really felt like I was in <laughs> with the crowd. Like it was always very, I was always surrounded by like Americans or British people or French people or whatever, um, not as many Jordanians as I would have wanted to be. Um, I ended up having really great Palestinian friends, which was which was great. Um, but I think being in these different places, Afghanistan specifically, because I'm black, which means I obviously stick out, um, and I and and my blackness identifies me as a person who has experienced some kind of oppression, um, which everybody knows, right? Um, however, I'm in a place where I mean, there's people who are literally sending their kids off to school and they don't know if they're coming back. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sitting in an armored car with a guy with an AK-47, protected, you know, as we sit in traffic because Kabul traffic is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and I have more protection than the people who actually need it the most because I can get on a plane and go back to Dubai mm -hmm. today, right? Um, I don't have to be here. Um, I really don't. Uh, it's not my country. I have no cultural um, kind of links. I There is absolutely nothing <laughs> that links me here besides my own curiosity, um, which again speaks to kind of privilege, but also this weird kind of lens of looking at places that are somewhat broken. Um, but I do think that like when I, the decision to go to Afghanistan for me was really, I mean, I had met Afghans in Dubai and they had told me about their country and I thought, well, fuck it, I'm gonna go see it, right? <laughs> because went, what's the worst that could happen? Well, let me tell you what the worst thing that could happen to you in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a few things, um, but, but I thought, you know, let me try and experience this place through, through the eyes of the people that I've met. Um, and what can I learn from this experience and how can I use this to inform my own and be able to give back in a way that is closer, that's meaningful, um, and that makes me feel like I'm a useful part of the world. <laughs> um, and I think that's a big part of who I am as well is just being useful. Um, yeah. I don't like feeling as though I'm contributing to nothing. 
Mm. Um, at least nothing that matters, right? If you know, contributing to a G wagon, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at that, but <laughs> <laughs> be mad at that, but <laughs> so yeah. Through <laughs> all, all of you know, you know this and being, do you feel like you know your, 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 you know how we spoke about things that make you who you are, um, and your work and your sense of adventure and your and you wanting to contribute in a meaningful way in society in whatever way do you feel like being in the diaspora does it make it easier for you yes <laughs> short answer yes yeah. i think um yeah i think being also being from a country like Zim, um, where unless you're privileged, there's not a lot of opportunities to, to be who you are in its entirety, unless you fit the mold of what is acceptable. Um, I do not <laughs> fit that mold. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 31 now. I, yeah, I, you know, I travel all the time. I, I'm not thinking about marriage. Um, I do have a partner, but I, you know, I'm not thinking about marriage. I'm not thinking about children. I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not obediently listening to all the elders in my, <laughs> my network. Um, you know, there's a, a sense of rebellion that I, that I have and that I've always had um, that has served me well. Um, and I think should if I had to be the person that I am, in fact, I don't think I would be the person that I am had I stayed home. Um, I think there's certain parts of me that would remain, but I do think that I wouldn't be as bold, as daring, as, um, as ambitious. Um, the one thing I've learned is that the world is, I mean, the world is big, you know, um, it's big, people are different. <laughs> this idea that like we're all the same. I mean, even in Africa, you know, I mean, you've traveled as well um, on the continent. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to see how differently people live their lives, how tradition informs their point of view or doesn't, um, how religion forms people's point of view or doesn't entirely. Um, you know, the 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 kind of history of the places that you're in and how the cities are built and who lives on which side of the train tracks and why and what kinds of countries tried to invade you for what resources and how did that shape your economy and subsequently the choices that girls or women have in that society um and i think you know being part of an international this kind of idea that i'm a global citizen um so to say is something that I lean into um, and that I embrace and that I revel in because it gives you, at least it gives me so much joy to experience different kinds of cultures and people. Um, and to, I also think it, um, I think it minimizes the things that used to give me so much anxiety, you know, I think, um, when I was younger, especially in my early 20s, I was filled with angst, just like, just like angst, <laughs> like just what will my future look like? Am I making the right decisions? Is this the right move for me? Um, what does this person think of me? And did I speak too loudly? Or did I come across as intimidating? Or, um, you know, is, is this person going to be xenophobic? Or like, I, I, I always had different things that I worried about that now I don't. Because I think when you experience the world through places that are both, you know, incredibly affluent like Dubai, but also places that are really struggling um, with different kinds of things, whether it's, you know, economic security, whether it's actual kind of physical security, um, you realize none of that shit matters. <laughs> like none of it. Um, absolutely nothing. What matters is, are you a decent fucking person? Um, do you care about the things that matter? Are you willing to contribute to things that are bigger than yourself and just the things that are within your little sphere of, of the world? 
are you open to new things? Um, do you listen to people? Really listen, and not just to respond, but to understand their point of view and to respect it, even if it's vastly different from yours. Um, that's, I think, what makes up a good life. You know, I think that's what makes up a meaningful life. So I think I wouldn't be the person that I am now had I stayed in Zoom. Mm. I, I really don't think that. Um, impossible. How do you, you know, navigate um, jobs and oh, rather than learning, I think jobs is a, a career. Like, how do you assert yourself in the professional space as someone who is not from that country, especially as an African? Because I know mm. in Africa, for white people, it's a very different experience, you know? But I always okay, wonder. <laughs> I always wondered what is it like for a black girl to be in another country and you know to 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 be confident in their job to be confident in how you know they 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 portray themselves in 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 the in the corporate space um in the professional world what have been the key things that you have had to do and how has that worked out for you I was thinking about this last night actually um I would say three things. I would say the first is, I think just being honest about what you bring to the table. And that means being confident, but also speaking about your experience and speaking about the things that you're interested in, in a way that presents you as an expert in that. Um, and obviously, you know, this depends what level you're at, et cetera. Um, I think my journey is definitely not replicable in the sense that like, I come from privilege. Um, it was, you know, I speak English. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't struggle with it. I, you know, I, I read The Economist, right? So like, <laughs> like, you can sit and like chat to somebody about like, you know, Russia invading Ukraine, um, but I can also tell you what happened on Love and Hip Hop yesterday. So, like, I think I think the the ability to to to, to be in those different worlds is incredibly helpful, <laughs> and I think being able to present yourself um, because the one thing that I have always struggled with is how do I come across to people? I've always wondered. It hasn't been a bottleneck per se, but I've always been aware of the fact that my race precedes me, right? So I, you know, I walk into a room and I'm black. I can't, you know, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> it's, it is who I am. Um, and therefore there will be people who have preconceived notions of who I am and what I stand for, what my experience is. Um, there are people who will be surprised at how well I speak English, <laughs> um, you know, which is a story for another day. <laughs> and there will be people who are unimpressed um, because I'm black and to them, what is it that I can possibly bring to the table? Um, you know, I, I don't have that Europeanness, that, that je ne sais quoi, that like, you know, allows white people to just kind of traverse the world with, with no cares. <laughs> it's just a freedom. Um, and so I'm aware of that. I don't let it, you know, hinder my ability to go forward. But it also means that I'm adaptable to different circumstances. So when I then present myself to the room of um, liberal UN, <laughs> you know, employees who believe that they're saving the world, I can lean into that, or I can challenge it, which I think is more surprising, um, and I think could potentially go either <laughs> either they'll love you for challenging them or they'll or they'll think that you're far too radical for, for what they need um but either way i'm presenting myself i'm presenting different facets of myself and it's always myself mm -hmm. um it is never a concocted version it's never like it's simply different facets of myself and i lean into that and i think that's what makes you stand out in any professional setting. You need to bring yourself to it. And we, you know, there's all these conversations about bring your full self, blah, blah, blah. We can have conversations about what that actually means. Um, but I think at a fundamental place, you have something unique that you bring to the table. Figure out what the fuck that is. Um, lean into it and, you know, figure out how to, to present yourself in a way that really brings out the best parts of you. 
Um, I think that's what makes you succeed in any professional environment. Um, I think the second thing is aligning yourself with people that you can learn from. Um, I've also been fortunate in the sense that I've had, I mean, I've had some shit managers, <laughs> some pretty bad managers, but I've also had some really good ones. Um, people who have taken the time to invest in me, people who have opened doors for me, people who have, you know, said my name in places where I wasn't um, and therefore made other people aware of who I am um, and what I offer to, you know, whatever environment I'm in. And I would say, seek those people out, um, have a coffee with them, figure out how they think, um, figure out how they've navigated things. Um, and this is not just other black people, this is anybody, um, you know, it doesn't matter where they're from. I think it's particularly helpful if they're black and female as well, if you're also um, uh, within that demographic, I think it helps. But I also think that you can learn from anyone. If there's anything that I've learned, you know, being in different places in the world, everybody has something to offer. Um, so take it on, seek those people out, develop those relationships um, and make sure that you're being the same person throughout. So the same person that is coming to the office is the same person that you're meeting for coffee is the same person that, and, and I know that a lot of black people struggle with that and there's absolutely valid reasons why. <laughs> um, at the same time, I think that it is a much better trade-off to be in a place where you are fully yourself and bringing everything that you have that is good, that is um, that is competitive, that is you know useful to that environment, than to be something that you're not, um, because that is a lie you'll have to perpetuate over years, and yeah. it will fundamentally break you. Um, so I think the trade-off there is is really just leaning into who you are um, and what you really bring to the table, and then also aligning yourself with the right kinds of people who can pour into your life um, and deepen your well. I think because you're going to need a deep well, you're going to be giving a lot of yourself away. Um, I think that's something that Black people need to know. Being in the diaspora, there will be a lot of days when you are just emotionally exhausted because of how much of yourself you've had to give away, how much you've had to twist your tongue around English all day, all week, in every single meeting, how much you've had to explain why your hair has changed, um, how much you've had, which I refuse to do now, <laughs> which I, I did in the beginning. And then after a few years, I was like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, <laughs> this is, it's enough. So my Slack, um, what is it, my Slack profile, they give you like that, there's two lines that you can explain. Like I say, you know what I do. And then my next sentence is my hair changes every six weeks or so. Um, don't ask me about it, just enjoy, you know, just because it's gonna look fly either way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring that shit to the table. So enjoy that shit, but don't ask me about it. <laughs> look and admire and keep quiet. Because I know I look fly. I know you're trying to look like what I look like but it's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not for everyone. Good luck lock in your hair. Good luck. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> but <so> there's that. <laughs> and so I think, you know, that's the, definitely the second thing um, is the aligning. Um, and then I think the third thing is, um, especially if you're young, um, you know, I can't speak to if you're in your 40s and you're moving, and I think it's a different kind of stage that you're in, for example. Um, you're probably a lot more settled, et cetera. Um, but I think if you're young, um, take chances, you know. Take, I spent so much of my life, my younger life, trying to not be overtly um, present. So I, I think, and I think this comes back to then being uh, what we call in Zim a Zanu kid. Um, so, so my dad being in Zanu and like the hyper visibility that comes with that. Um, and then me feeling incredibly awkward because nothing that Zanu does is even remotely good. Like I'm just like nothing. And I'm just like, this is awkward because it's off brand for me, right? So let's just like figure out how we're going to navigate this space. Um, and so that hypervisibility made me incredibly awkward about being visible. At the same time, I'm also naturally quite like gregarious and like 
um, extroverted. So I think I was always that was always a tension for me. And so I think it made me feel like I couldn't take specific chances. I had to follow a specific path that was predictable, that everyone thought, yeah, actually makes sense where she ended up yeah. <laughs> considering considering who her father was. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and, but then I missed out on so much because I was afraid. Um, and being in the diaspora means you don't have that safety net. That's what it means. Yeah. It means it means the rug that was under your feet was pulled from under you mm -hmm. and you do not have the same sense of security that you would have if you were at home. Um, and you can interpret that in different ways. That may not be true for everybody, but I think fundamentally you're constantly thinking, okay, because things can change. Governments change, regulation change. You know, uh, they could say, right, your visa is no longer valid. Mm -hmm. Pack your things in the next three months and you're gone. <laughs> it's just like, well, it is what it is. And, and when you don't have the kind of passport that allows you to weave in and out of airports and countries, you know, easily, then it doesn't give you the confidence that what you have now is going to be the same in the next three years, right? Um, so there's that constant sense of little bit of insecurity and it, it varies depending on which country you're in. But um, I would still say, take more chances. Um, find out more about an industry you, you've never even heard of. Um, meet people from different walks of life. Um, learn a new skill. Um, pitch an idea at work that you've been meaning to do. Because the truth is the worst thing people can say is no. Um, and you miss 100% of the chances that you don't take. You know, take the chance, um, especially if it's not an existential threat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, you know, if it, you know, unless like it's going to cause the cancellation of your visa, then like I would say take it. Um, what are you going to lose? You know, I think in, in actual fact, you'll gain. Um, and I think, you know, I work in, I say I work in tech now just to sound like, I don't code. <laughs> I don't code. I don't do any of that like exciting ass shit. And I, I barely know what machine learning is. But listen, baby, I work at a tech company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the only Python, the only Python I know is the snake. But listen, like <laughs> I'm within, baby. So I say I work in tech. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But um <laughs> I would have never thought that my life would end up this way. Yeah. But I wouldn't have been here had I not made the choices that I made to take a few risks, to ask, <laughs> to attend a different event that I had never even thought of, um, to be open to the possibility that your life can look different. Your life can be like drastically different <laughs> from this year to the next. I am a testament of that. Um, and I would say that there is, there is merit in following the path that you chose for yourself mm -hmm. while considering different options. Yeah. Um, when you are young, take risks. You, you never know where it's going to take, uh, where it's going to take you and, and, and what it's going to mean to your fundamental kind of well-being. Um, yeah, I think that's, th those are my, wow. my, my nuggets wow. of wisdom. <laughs> and, and you dropped them, the gems, there were many. And, my, and, my, and really my thing in, in, in party, I mean, do you, it's like, the, you know, the, I, I won't say um, globe trotting per se, but <laughs> do you, <laughs> when, when you look um, or, or think about, you know, um, the future, is, is, is this the type of life that you think, okay, Bimbayo is destined for this. Like you follow the path where you feel like is connecting you to meaning or whatever that may be at that stage of your life. And so if it's moving from country to country to country, that would be your life? 100%. Um, I think that uh, it's interesting. I, I saw a tweet the other day about um, how the life you prayed for before is the life you're living now or the things that you want if you're not religious the things that you wanted before and that you worked for is where you are now 
but because as human beings we're constantly striving to the you know to get the next thing you know to cons consistently move forward especially if you have like a type a personality um but i think it's important to take a moment and realize that you have what you said you wanted to have you know three five years ago um and i would say for myself yeah for the most part this is definitely the life that i thought i'd be living um i think i mean covid threw a <laughs> spanner in the works there but um, it thought it thought but anyway it thought it thought um but yeah no i this is absolutely the life that I, what I like to say is I, I carved out a life for myself that I am so pleased with. Um, and even on the difficult days, on the days when nothing is going right and people at work are stressing you out and you're thinking about all the bills you have and like the goals that you haven't achieved, et cetera, even on my worst days, I will sit on my couch with a cup of tea and I will say, this is the life that I carved out for myself. I am living the best way I know how to. Um, I am living a meaningful life. Um, sans the G-Wagon, but that's okay. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Listen, it's if they nice. can make a G-Wagon that is also electric, so I'm not killing the environment as I go, like I would appreciate it. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, okay, okay contribute to some kind of social good you know <laughs> also being capitalist also, okay also the drip is forever so let's just like <laughs> find a balance <laughs> an electric g-wagon in my generation please i'm asking you mercedes-benz can you do the things <laughs> <laughs> so i can feel one percent better about <laughs> <laughs> driving this completely <laughs> ridiculously expensive car. <laughs> I mean, the unit economics just don't make any sense, really. Like, unless you're earning a ridiculous amount of money, why would you have one? Anyway, but um, yeah, no, I this is my life and I absolutely love it. Beautiful. Like that, that, that is just such a, an amazing way of, of, of looking at you know, I mean, and circumstances being different, you know, I think, I think people are forced to move away and move around for, you know, various reasons. But I, 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 I think for me really is having the ability to create a life and mm -hmm. a home where you are is, is, is something special. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wow. no, I'm very grateful for that. Um, it's 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 not something I take for granted, and I and I know it's not something that everybody is afforded as well. Um, so because of that, I lean into it wholeheartedly. Um, for the sake of myself, for the sake of my mother, who didn't have the same you know opportunities to be as 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 me as as I am. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, this is dope.